0: watching Stockwatch with me Gillette Televy and joining me to take your questions this evening are Saneli Siwe Tofile from All Weather Capital and Grant Nader from Binguela Global Fund Managers. If you'd like to send us questions please SMS 41392 or email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za. Grant, Saneli Siwe, good evening to you both. Um, Sunny, if uh, I may start with you, it was a fantastic day on the market today. We haven't had one of those in a while. Uh, Markets were green, bond yields are falling, the rand was strong, the spring box are touring their way through the, the country. So it was a great day. Um, what was actually behind the gains that we
1: saw? Uh, I mean, it, it might well be the Springboks, you know, because as well, because we brought into the country. Uh, so, you know, it might well be that effect kind of carrying on. I mean, the Proteus did well as well, yeah, guess,
0: New Zealand,
1: incidentally, yesterday. But, uh, you know, all jokes aside, I think, I mean, after the budget, which was um, <coughs> announced yesterday, I think obviously the news was expected to be quite uh, bad. But uh, look, it's not a great reading anyway, but I think a, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, how the budget came out. I think the deficit was forecast by some people to be above 5%. It came in just below 5%. I don't know if there's some fudging in the numbers there, but, you know, 4.9% is it's not too much different to 5 but mm. I think the expectation was a lot worse. So you saw, you know, bond yields, as you say, uh, you know responding to that you saw the market even yesterday or the currency rather even yesterday responding to that and you know again market responding today so i think there might be a lot a lot of that but i mean i think also you had a very um dreary october just generally you know um in, in the market you know finished i think the market finished sort of three or four percent down so mm. you know we're still in a quite volatile period so i think you're going to see a lot of these ups and downs and ups and downs but i think you know maybe the markets were probably pushed a little bit by its news from the budget and just a little exuberance yeah. uh, coming back into the market a little bit it might be short-lived, but you know
0: we'll take it. It happens. Yes. Yeah. Um, Grant, was there also to some extent a reaction to um, the Fed, uh, the interpretations that the U.S. Federal Reserve sounds a bit more dovish about interest rates, and that is also what has caused some of the optimism in in markets across asset classes today.
2: Uh, I would definitely say so. I think everything Sunny said was valid, and then add to that. The market that is actually taking some of what the fed said and and saying well actually it sounds like there probably won't be another rate hike and then of course importantly is post the last hike it averages about seven months or so before the first cut so now the market's starting to think well if the hikes are done maybe we can start talking about when the cuts will come that's positive it's so so you're seeing the rand strengthen uh, yield curves coming a bit lower in fact the yield curve is steepening in the us which is basically the market's way of saying they think the economy is going to slow materially and we are going to start seeing uh, the prospect of cuts come onto the radar. That, of course, feeds through into the consumer. Uh, that We saw that's why the, the the SA-facing businesses, the retailers, the financials had such a great day because you've got a stronger RAND, you've got lower interest rates, and you've got a oil price. Yeah, I was looking today just out of interest. Over the last month, the RAND has strengthened roughly 5% and oil has come off about 5%. Hmm. So that's about a 10% improvement in the Rand oil price. You translate that into what we're probably over-recovering at the pumps. If we see that persist for another month, you're going to start seeing more petrol price cuts, feeds through into the pocket of the consumer. So there's this macro feel-good effect that's playing out uh, across a number of um, markets, and and we're one of the beneficiaries of that on top of the budget speech, which, which was an upside surprise.
0: Yeah, I mean that's quite interesting um, and certainly I think the RAND and the oil price are, are instrumental for our inflation figures. Um, we had Pep Hall coming out with a trading update today and there, a viewer asks what, what, you, what you guys make of it. Um, so Nelly the the sales or the revenue up for the year was 7.7%. Um, the Avenida business in Brazil looks like it's doing quite well. What did you take from the trading update?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I think generally for the retailers, trade has been tough. You know, top line single digit growth, but I think um, you know a lot of that was masked by the general issues in the market. But I think you saw uh, the H two numbers, uh, you know, improving from H one, so positive trend. It's it's one data point, but you know, a positive trend is, is always taken well. Hmm. Um, and I think you know the earnings being down between five and fifteen was also kind of in the market's expectations. So nothing. Uh, in the number, I think would have spooked the market. I mean, the earnings falling is really uh, a function of the, the the tough environment. I think all all retailers are facing a, a quite a challenging environment at the moment. But I think the the update itself is again, like I said, it's just one data point. But yeah. you know, encouraging improvements uh, you know coming through.
0: Granted, it's it's quite easy to look at um, situations with a more beneficent gaze when you've had a good day. (laughs) So, you know, when the markets have closed over 2% higher, so then you can look at Pepco and think, okay, maybe we're starting to see the turn for retailers in in South Africa. And I wonder what both of you Mm -hmm. make of that. You know, do you think we've had the worst or we are through the worst, Um, uh, specifically for consumer and and, and retail-focused companies in South Africa, or do you think that's actually a little bit too over-exuberant to make that call?
2: I, th- I think it's, it's a very good question. It depends on your timeline. So our perspective, if you're looking at, say, 12 months, I think on the margin, load shedding is going to get better, not worse. Even though it's coming back as we speak, I think there's going to be less over a 12-month period. So the, cost, the incremental cost these retailers and the like have had to incur on diesel, et cetera, is going to be smaller, which will help their margins. I think if we see rates ease a little bit and the RAND at least stabilize and not get worse, at the margin, there's going to be something of a tailwind as the conditions ease, even if it's only a little bit. And that's taking a 12-month view. I think over the next three months, things could still get worse. We all know the challenges we're facing. But it's also about how much has been in the price, and and a lot has been priced in through the the inflation pain, through the margin pressures these guys have all felt. Uh, And so the risk-reward starts to look favorable around these levels from where I'm sitting.
0: Mm. So Nelisiwe, um, I think All Weather Capital, if I'm not mistaken, has a a sort of fairly mixed view on on retailers. I mean, there would obviously be your your preferences within the retail sector. Uh, Are you feeling a little bit more confident now, however, about South Africa's retailers?
1: I mean, obviously the market and us included are forward-looking. And, you know, I think a lot of what's happened in 2021 has created Firstly, massive headwinds for the for the retailers, you know, whether it be loan shedding, poor consumer, uh kind of uh spending, uh, you know, no sentiment, all those kind of things we've talked about in the past. So I think now we start we're gonna start cycling a bit of a low base in twenty twenty three. So when the guys start reporting in sort of I don't know when they start, like March, of uh, June next year, um, I think the numbers are gonna look better because of the you know, the base that, the low base that's been set this year. But also, in reality, load shedding is improving. Um, Hopefully, this low consumer sentiment will improve. Um, You know, maybe um, maybe all these once-off costs that companies have been incurring this year, whether it be, again, load shedding-related or these Section 89 kind of uh, few companies have been retrenching, all these once-off costs that kind of have been in this um, space will not repeat. So I think companies will be in a better position next year, and particularly the retailers are a good kind of barometer for economic health, and I think... Um, just from the fact that we're coming out of a very difficult year in 2023, I think 2024 will be better for the retailers and, and other sectors as well. Hmm.
0: What about property companies and property companies exposed to retailers? There was a question um, that came through about growth points, asking about the merits of an investment at the present time. Uh, grants, I mean, yeah, growth points, well, it's exposed to, I suppose, all all sectors of the South African economy, whether it's industrial, retail, office, <laughs> which is still terrible. Um, at, it, at this current share price, what, what do you make of it?
2: The growth point is a difficult one there in, the office space is particularly challenged. The average occupancy rates in Johannesburg, for example, are still nearly 20%, which is massive and it's a big region in their lives. And some areas are better, like the Western Cape, which is where they're focusing their attention now. But I would say the growth point prospects actually carry more risk than the rest of the property companies because they have mm-hmm. st- still have the largest vacancies and the lowest, uh, you know, resumption of of the norm. They're further from COVID pre-COVID than anyone else, any other sector. Not a growth point, but that space that offers space. So I think the property sector is geared to interest rates. That you have an inverse correlation on average. You should get some sort of capital appreciation plus you're locking in decent yields. On some of the good quality, um, reasonably good quality companies. So it's not a bad time to be looking at property companies. Whether Growth Point would be my first pick, uh, I would probably say not okay. at this point, albeit it is a high quality business within the constraints of this economy.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, Nelisiwe, what's your thoughts on Growth Point? Because, I mean, I. I, I You know, I directed, um, I suppose, the question about the office um, vacancies and and Grant's answered that, but they do also have the V&A, which is an astounding asset. It was terrible during COVID and it's absolutely sensational now. And they've also got Australian properties. Um, Mm -hmm. Does that kind of, you know, uh, mitigate some of the uh, difficulties in South Africa?
1: Yeah. Perhaps if I can can answer the question in a different way. I mean, I I fully agree with what what Grant Grant has said. Um I think for for us, you know um you know as an investor you have an opportunity set of companies to look at and you know as, as Grand just mentioned, you know it, it might not stack up well relative to other players. So we prefer some guys with uh, uh self-help stories, you know so you know a company like attack for example, you know they participate in the waterfall node in, in here in in, in howden, which is a another nice growth node it's a mixed purpose, Kind um, of area work, live, play type of thing, and it's growing quite nicely. Um, you know, a company like Spear Reed, which is based in Cape Town, uh, mostly based in Cape Town. As you've mentioned, Cape Town is booming right now, whether it be retail or, uh, you know, uh, office. Uh, office or industrial, yeah. whatever the case is, Cape Town is doing much better than other places in the country. So a, a company like that, or companies with exposure to, say, offshore, like, you know, a Nebbi Rock and those kind of things, which might be a little bit insulated from. Mm-hmm know what's going on in south africa so um from that perspective i think growth point might struggle to stack up against those kind of uh, opportunities that an investor has to choose from yeah. so it might not be the the the, the best choice right now
0: okay uh, Grant, I granted not ask you actually what do you guys prefer so um are there do you actually have any preferred picture so so sector
2: yeah we still have we still like uh, the likes of Bukile, um which has been very defensive with the retail Especially more rural malls um, some of the other companies would like Nepi as well. It gives you foreign currency hedge as well as some some global uh, exposure to different regions. so those are some of the two of our topics in the property sector. We have one or two others, but at this point in time, I'd probably look more at those and tech also stands out to me as a as a pretty good prospect as well in agreement with Sunny there as well
0: okay. And then just a quick question before the break. Um, what's the panel's view on process over the long term? uh, uh your thoughts there? Um, I think,
1: look, obviously the underlying asset here is is still Tencent. Um, and I think the most important thing that management can do right now is whatever activity they use to, um, to unlock the discount. Um, you know, obviously they aren't the managers of that Tencent asset, so that will keep we believe will keep growing in line with kind of the uh, kind of growth in in the markets that they're involved in whether it be gaming um you know online services whatever the case is so there's still good prospects for that even though you know china growth is is, is wobbling at the moment we think that you're going to be selective about which sectors you play in and i think tencent plays in the right sectors okay. so i think the question for for was and process is really about the discount and i think i mean i don't know rightly or wrongly the current management team has been shuffled out, uh, Bob has been uh, removed. And we think that, you know, the mandate, I mean, we don't know for sure, but we think that the mandate of the new uh, CEO is to come in and try to unlock that discount. I think that that's where the change strategy is. And I think that, that, that that's what makes us constructive on process.
0: Okay. Sonny says he's constructive on it. Um, how do you feel about process? And also another viewer actually last night, uh, a question that they didn't get to ask whether it's worth holding onto his process shares
2: yes uh, i would uh, i would share we share that sentiment we are constructive on process we are turning more constructive on China than we were in the past we've been We've done a lot of work on they, they've the problem China's had is they've had a lot of stimulus in small measures over the course of this year, and it's been too little to have an impact in its singularity but in totality when you look at the combined effect of all the stimulus and all the monetary in, influence I think they're actually doing enough to start uh, turning the ship around, or at least stabilizing the ship, and they are making moves to steady out the property market. And if you, if you think China is going to be okay, you can one of the greatest ways to get exposure is through a Tencent, which plays in some of the more uh, consumer-oriented spaces there, the gaming, et cetera, and uh, they're in a good place. And you added to that, you're buying them at a 40% discount through process. And yes, as Sunny said, there's definitely going to be a push to unlock some of that mm. value. This new CEO has a has a deal-making background. Um, he comes from um, SoftBank, if I'm not mistaken, before he was at Process. And he, I, I have no doubt his agenda is going to be to unlock value somewhere, somehow, uh, and return yeah. money to shareholders in in some way, shape, or form. And so I think that will be uh, at the worst case, the, the the discount will remain. At the best case, he'll actually achieve some value unlock.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, uh- I uh, know it was a, well, the same viewer um, talked about hanging on, um, and it was a question that we didn't get to last night. and He said, Are Richemont, EOH, and uh, Process and the China ETF worth hanging on to? I'm trying to decrease the number of shares in my portfolio, which currently sits at 25. Um, so, let's see where. Okay, EOH, Richemont, we've discussed Process, the China ETF. I think all of them have come under pressure. I mean, Richemont had a spectacular start to the year, but subsequently it's come under pressure. What would you do if you had those three in your portfolio? And, of course, not knowing what other shares he has.
1: Um, I mean, <clears throat> I think EoH yeah, has come out of a tough period in the past few years. I think um, the previous management team who now kind of showed the intention to leave the business have done a good job in right-sizing it and putting it in, a, in good footing to start operating again. So, I mean, uh, it's all about execution now. So I think it's in a, it's in a better space than it was even six months ago. Mm. So um, for me personally, I, I need to do a bit more work to get comfort about where kind of the growth is going to come from, how they kind of operate this business now different to the past. But I think they've come through a tough period, so it, it, it certainly is worth a look. I mean, China ETF, China, China ETF is uh, it's a bit broad. Um, it depends what's <laughs> yeah. in there. I don't know what, what <laughs> what's in there. But I, like I said, you know, China is a bit of a, a almost like a, two-part economy now with kind of the infrastructure stuff in a bit of trouble with the, you know, property developers in, in a lot of financial troubles and are not being able to kind of um, uh, pay back debts and the likes, whereas you've got consumer-related uh, sectors in the economy, which I think are still po- poised for growth. Mm. So it depends. On, I don't know what uh, which China ETF it is. Uh, what, yeah, what sure. Um, so it's, it's uh, difficult to say.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, Richmond, I think, you know, property, um, sorry, um, luxury shares have done quite well to hold up in this environment. But you've seen that Richmond has come off as well in the Rand line anyway, I think also in, in the Swiss line, it's probably come off a bit. Um, it's come off quite a bit. And this just a sign that, you know, maybe the, the fundamentals um, are not uh, justified by the rating of the where these shares are traded. I think a lot of the demand for luxury is probably started to taper off now as people focus more on experiences moving back out in the world. I know COVID is a thing from three years ago, but people are still kind of coming back into having experiences as opposed to buying goods and services, exclusively mm. luxury. So I think we're starting to see that shine whereof they excuse the pun. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm a bit cautious on Richemont. Yeah.
0: Grant, if you if you had Richmond though, in your portfolio, would you sell it at this
2: point? I wouldn't. Um, I think if you're if you're a private investor, you need a core of good quality businesses in your portfolio, and Richmond should be one of them. That's my personal opinion. Unless you are going to be very active and sell it and and buy it back and play that game, which on average uh, most people don't tend to be very successful at, so I would hold on to it. I think it has come off quite a bit from its highs, probably 25%, 30%, and it's starting to look interesting again. Agree that cyclically. Perhaps not the best time if we see a global slowdown. Luxury goods still can continue to slow a little bit with that. But um, it's still a very more, a much more defensive space than the, than some of the other consumer stocks. Watch sales in particular have been holding up well. Um, I think if you're looking short term, you should sell it. If you're thinking as a long-term investor, I don't see any reason to sell it.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, Then here's a a fairly lengthy question, uh, but a good one. Um, The viewer says I'm 25 years old, completing my last year of articles. I'm still young in my investing career and foresee high earnings potential in the future, so I have a high risk appetite. I, however, do not have the time, skill or confidence to investigate individual shares, to build a portfolio and have been investing into ETFs over the past 12 months. Due to my increased risk appetite, I make monthly contributions to a portfolio of ETFs as follows. The S&P 500, 40%, the SA Top 40, 10%, the MSCI India Index, 12.5%, Euro Stocks 50, 5%, FTSE 100, 5%, MSCI China, 12.5%, and EC 10, 5%, the remaining 10% cash I keep in my trading account. I'm worried that in my attempt to gain greater exposure to what I believe to be strong emerging markets um, that I have overcomplicated the portfolio and I'm unsure if it's actually ended up in excess fees being paid. Do the panelists believe the mix is appropriate or have I overcomplicated this and should rather invest into a total world ETF or emerging market ETF that covers all these markets in one place? Sonelisi, what do you think?
1: I mean, I think divers for someone who isn't actively involved in markets, who's gonna have a long term view, who's uh, as the viewers says, is not, you know, confident or doesn't have the competence to uh manage investments, I think diversification is key. So having a diversified portfolio, whether you do ETFs or stocks or whatever the case is, I think is probably the right strategy. Um, I guess for me the question really to be answered is how much admin the guy wants to to have in his life. So investing in, in MSCI world type of thing will reduce your admin greatly. Well yeah. I don't know it does not reduce it that much anyway. But you know, having one ETF as opposed to I don't know how many you said there, but it reduces your admin burden. So um <clears throat> from that perspective, sure. But I think the 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 angle or the 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 attitude to take uh to diversify the your your exposures I think is the right one, especially for someone who isn't um involved
0: in markets on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Grant, um, uh, there's seven uh, ETFs, one of which mm. is, a, is a currency bundle. Um, I mean, uh, I think it's a EC10. I think that's a cryptocurrency bundle, isn't yeah.
2: it? It's cryptos, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, do you think it's too complicated? Would you winnow it down or do you think it's okay? If, especially if you're 25, you've got a whole huge career yeah. ahead of you.
2: Yeah, I think absolutely. And, and seven holdings is is not excessive. It shouldn't be hard to manage, especially if you invest on a debit order basis. And if you think about it, at the age of 25, the average life expectancy is closer to 90 now than it was <laughs> 65, 70, which means you've probably, you've got, you could have, uh, you know, 60 years investable timeline or 50 years. You should be at your maximum, in you know, you should be taking maximum exposure uh, and looking for maximum longevity and duration in your, in your equity. Mm-hmm. So don't be too conservative. I think there's, it's not a bad little spread, actually, from what I can see, for if you're doing it yourself, you could perhaps add uh, a little bit more, um, maybe some growth, maybe some some NASDAQ in there. But uh, that's not a bad portfolio. If you're going to manage it yourself and if you find you're not comfortable, give it to an asset manager. Give it to a fund, uh, a global asset manager and a local asset manager and let them make the global allocations for you. Yeah. But uh, I certainly think you shouldn't be worried about being uh, overly aggressive at your age.
0: Okay, and and it doesn't seem overly complex. And I suppose we've got two fund managers in front of us. So um, a little punt yes. there, Grant, for yourselves. Um, okay, so I'm going to get to your stock picks this evening. Um, for those who who do like to go for individual shares rather than ETFs, Saneli Siwe, what takes your fancy?
1: So I think today I'm I'm feeling uh, you know, a little bit of pick and pay.
2: Oh. Um, you
1: know, it's had a terrible time uh, this year more so than the other retailers, worse than the other retailers. I think when we do the stack, I mean, at twenty five Rand or wherever it is trading today, I mean you're basically getting everything uh including like half of Boxer for free. Because we we value Boxer at about forty Rand a share. We've got um you know the liquor business at probably a Rand or two a share with the clothing business about ten or fifteen Rand a share, whatever it is. So at the current price you're getting and then the corporate business is detracting a little bit from the valuation. But it, 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 for us, it can't be with zero. And I think there's a lot of uh, easy wins to be had out of uh, pick and pay. They do have a bit of a balance sheet issue, potentially. They've cut the dividend.
0: Yeah. But
1: I think with the new, with the old slash new CEO coming, <laughs> coming back into the fold, um, he's got a lot of easy wins. He's someone who knows the business and... Uh, you know, there's potential there for them to be able to unlock that trap value in Pick and Bay. So I think we like Pick and Bay at the moment.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. quite a far difference from uh, where the share is trading at the moment. Uh, Grant, how about you? What's, what are you looking
2: at? So my... my.
0: Oh, we've just lost Grant.
2: Less than five times earnings.
0: Grant, uh, sorry. Very... Um, Grant, do you mind repeating that? Because you paused at a... Cri- uh, your...
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you were
0: cut off at a sorry, critical moment.
2: I think it's my signal. Sorry, I, I said motors, motors trading on around five times earnings. It's been very defensive in what can only be described as a very tough environment. Rates have been pushed aggressively higher. Interest rates have been, um, you know, sorry, the rand has gone higher. Everything's everything and anything that can be going wrong for a consumer-facing durable goods company is what's happening now. Mm. I think from here, the likelihood of things improving over the next six, twelve, eighteen months becomes quite meaningful and you're buying it's a very cheap entry into that better sa picture and if you if you you subscribe to that opportunity set that things can get a little better from here this is quite a nice way to play it in the meantime they are paying you seven and a half percent dividend yield um they are quite cash generative given the fact that it's very cyclical i like the management so i think it's a quite a nice way to get some sa facing exposure over the next 12
0: months. Okay. Gents, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Nice to chat to you both. Uh, that's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to Sanele Siwe Tofile from All Weather Capital and Grant Nader from Benguela Global Fund Managers. Coming up next, The Close. Stay with us. <laughs>